Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. Well, hey friends, it is very special to be joining you this morning. I gotta say this, that a lot of bad things happened in COVID, but one really good thing happened to me in COVID and that is I got to connect with Levi for the first time. There's a group of pastors that started like, maybe we're just desperate for some support. And so a few of us started getting together on a monthly basis and Levi was one of those guys. And since then we've just connected again and again and again, and just so much love and respect for Levi and Nadia and the church you're building together. So much love for local church in Ottawa, and I get great hope. Like I think about the nation of Canada, and I'm full of hope about what God is doing in our nation. And what I begin to feel is that God has kind of like placed churches strategically all over our country. And in Ottawa, they've placed you amongst other great churches in that city. And I'm so excited for what's ahead. I am saying hello to you today from rainy Vancouver. Uh, It hasn't been rainy here all summer, but this is pretty much what's ahead for the next three to four months. My son Hudson, who's eight, He was at like a beach camp this week. And so this morning we picked him up and he was freezing cold. And he said, today was the worst day of my entire life. And so that's his attitude about the rain in Vancouver. We planted a church in the middle of the pandemic called The Way Church. And we are literally just gearing up for our first Sunday morning in-person services. And all throughout this year, by God's grace, it seems like we've been able to connect people in this city and taking a ton of inspiration from you and your church together. Uh, What can I tell you about myself? Maybe there's not much more to say. I don't know if Levi and Nadia did a better introduction, but I am married. And uh, Rach and I have three kids, Hudson, who I mentioned, Mary and Millie. And as I was thinking about this message today, and I'm really excited for the theme I get to share about, I think it's one of these things that is so essential to our life, but rarely examined and talked about. So I want to look at a theme. And as I was preparing this message and thinking of you, I found myself remembering when Rachel, my wife, broke up with me when we're dating. It was a dark dark time. Like it was only three weeks, but it was a dark three weeks. I mean, she dumped me out of nowhere. And I think it was so dark that I watched all four seasons of the OC in like two and a half weeks. It was a dark, dark time. And it was during my undergraduate. And so I'd get picked up almost every day by my buddy, Jared. And Jared would pick me up in his mom's Dodge Neon and we'd drive about 30 minutes up this big hill to Simon Fraser University. And I remember one morning in the midst of this breakup, Jared pulls up in front of my house and I get in the car and I'm moping because I'm heartbroken. Literally my heart felt like it was broken after Rach broke up with me. And I look, I get in the car and I look at Jared and I'm like, Jared, you look like a disaster. What's wrong? He's like, bro. This breakup has been really, really hard for me. <laughs> like, it's been hard for you. What are you talking about? He's like, dude, I'm in a bad place. And he goes, open the glove box. And I'm like, what? He's like, open the glove box. And so I opened the thing and he's like, I made you like a, a mix CD. And it just said Jason's breakup mix. So I put it in and it's all these super sad songs. And like, we just drove up in total silence. Like, I remember Rachel later told me that like, Jared had reached out to her because he needed to talk with her. Like he was just going through it. And um, Jared is the friend that all of us need. I mean, Jared was useless in terms of advice. Like he would say the worst things. Like he would go, um, he'd be like, Jay, Val, like, uh, you know, there's tons of other girls out. No, there's no one like Rach. Like he just had no good advice. Like he was a mess. And it wasn't the words that he said. It wasn't anything particular that he did. But as I was hurting, he hurt. And he's been that friend, like that kind of friend that's actually really hard to find, that friend that's there with you. 
And that's a little bit what I want to talk about, or that is what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about friendship. I want to talk about the kind of friends that we need to thrive as humans on planet Earth. There's a lot of people throwing around the word friends. In fact, it's hard to actually just talk about friendship in part because we use words like obviously Facebook introduces friends as this word for all these people we're loosely connected to, like some friend from middle school you haven't talked to in 10 years is called a friend. And then also socially, it might just be me and my circles, but socially people say things like, oh yeah, Tyler, great friend, like someone you never talked to, but you're meeting someone like, do you know Tyler? Yeah, Tyler's a great friend. And so like, what do we mean by the word friend? And uh, we have to talk about this word because we need to understand it because it's essential for human flourishing. And it's essential to even following God meaningfully on planet earth is to do do it with friends. And so I want to propose a new term. I want to throw a new term at you, and it's called deep friendship. Deep friends. I want to ask the question, what is a deep friend, and how do we cultivate deep friendships? Are we being the kind of friends that people need, and do we have friendships like that? And it's essential that we talk about it. Because before the COVID-19 pandemic, there was another pandemic all over the world, and it was a pandemic of loneliness. Years ago, the United Kingdom appointed a minister, one of the highest levels of government, a minister of loneliness. I got some research from the states. In 2018, 54% of Americans said they were lonely. And in 2019, that rose like 7% to 61%. It goes up even in 2020 and this year. In 2018, 43% said that they sometimes or always feel that their relationships are not meaningful. Tons of relationships, but they're not meaningful. That too rose by 4% the following year and continues to rise. 2018, 54% said that they sometimes or always feels like no one knows them well. And that rose 4% the following year and continues to rise. I was just looking at some new data put out by Barna and World Vision about millennials in Canada called the Connected Generation Report. And all through it, it talks about the epidemic of loneliness, isolation, and anxiety that's defining an entire generation. And the truth is the COVID-19 pandemic has made it worse. It's made it worse. It's put tension on relationships. And people have found themselves isolated, suspicious, and the very thing that we need most, which is to be in deep, committed relationships, seems to be fracturing. And you know we're hyper-connected. That's why this is like, there's an irony to this. We've never been, as a society, more connected than we are now, able to connect with many people. But somehow, maybe even as a response to that, we found that those deep friendships are hard to find. And the Bible speaks of friendship. In fact, if you were just to do a survey of the Bible on friendship, you'd find more than you might expect. Proverbs 18.24 says this. It says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Someone who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about that kind of friend, the closer than a brother friend, the closer than a sister friend. I don't want to talk about friends or good friends or great friends. I want to talk about deep friendships. And all those other kinds of friendships are important and fine, but I'm talking like if you were to think concentric circles of friendships, who are those two or three people that are most close to you, that go the distance, who talk about the most intimate places that you go to for advice that you lean on in times of struggle? Who are those deep friends? Who are the friends that are gonna most shape your future? And we need these to flourish on planet Earth. And I just wanna say this, no matter what your track record is with friends, 
I believe that following Jesus uniquely enables us to enter into a kind of friendship that would not otherwise be possible. And God can do it. He can do a work in your heart that actually sets you free from issues of trust and insecurity that maybe have gotten away before and leads you into a kind of friendship that's not perfect. There's no perfect friends. The only perfect friend is in Christ. But because of that perfect friendship, we can enter into the kind of friendships that are necessary for thriving on planet Earth and necessary for building a church community that can be a light in the city that we're called to. So here's what we're going to do. Very simply, I want to mention six things that deep friends do. Six things. We're going to move quick. Six things that deep friends do. And here's why. Because it's hard to go after something, because I think we need to go after deep friends in our life. It's hard to go after something that we don't have a vision for. Like, it's hard to paint a picture of something that you can't imagine. It's hard to go on a a drive somewhere where you don't know how to get there. And I think when it comes to friendships, like really good friendships, we don't even have language to describe it. And so I want to submit to you six things that deep friends do. And I hope that as a result, it would anchor your life and point you in a direction for the kinds of friendships you want to cultivate. We'll park on some longer than others. We'll move generally pretty quick. But let's just get going. Six things that deep friends do. Number one, deep friends, we're going to start easy. Deep friends show up. Deep friends know how to show up, especially in life's most important moments. Anyone can do this. You don't have to have the right words in difficult situations. You don't have to be someone who's an expert at advice. You don't have to even be the life of a party to be a deep friend. You just need to learn how to show up, to be there. And I learned this from um, my friend Landry. I learned so much of friendship from my friend Landry. And he has one rule in his friendship, and it's show up. And I've experienced again and again, no matter what I'm going through, he just shows up. He gets there. Even when he lived on the other side of the world, he was working, doing like discipleship outreach work in Australia with YWAM. And in key moments in my life, he would call. He would get there. He would show up. I remember times where like, even I remember one moment that comes to mind as I'm sharing, like my grandpa was sick and in the hospice. And I just remember the way he would drive to my house. He lived about an hour away and he would just get there and he would just sit with me. There was a research study done not too long ago uh, around pain tolerance. They had individuals go into a room and put their feet and essentially, I think it was their feet or their hands in really, really cold water. And then they would measure how long the participants could put their hands in and keep them in. It's about pain endurance. And then they had the same participants come again, but this time in the room with them was their loving friend. And then they timed how long they could subject themselves to the pain. And across the board, without fail, the amount of time that individuals were able to endure hardship increased in the presence of a loving friend. Doing life alone is not how we're wired. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. It doesn't sound very romantic, but it's, it's practical. Two are better than one because they have a better return for their labor. Check this out, verse 10. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Deep friends show up. They just get there. I found myself in situations recently where people are going through the kind of tragedy that I can't imagine. Breakups of marriage, loss of a loved one, personal failure. And I could find myself wanting to serve them. And actually, because I'm worried I won't have the right words or know what to do, I can actually find myself withdrawing. And this principle that Landry taught me of just showing up, of just being in the room to like embrace a ministry of presence has set me free. 
How do I be a deep friend? Show up, get there, get there. And we can't get there for everyone, but I believe the church is designed to be such a network of relationships that everyone's got someone that's there for them. The language of Romans, I think, is Romans chapter 12. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. It's a picture of no one celebrating alone and no one crying alone. Get there. Great friends, deep friends, they show up. Number two, we doing all right? That's number one. Deep friends show up. Number two, deep friends don't keep score. Another way to put this is deep friends give with no strings attached. Deep friends don't keep score. And for some reason, as humans, we love to keep score, don't we? Like we learn it like as a kid when it comes to like birthday party invitations. Like we have this whole framework like, well, he didn't invite me to his birthday party. So I'm not going to invite him to mine. We're keeping score. And I realize it's not just a child thing because I've planned a wedding and so have many of you. And you do it again. Well, she didn't invite me to her wedding. But then it gets even more sinister. It's like, well, she treated me that way. So I'm going to treat them that way or vice versa. And you can find that we can end ourselves in relationships where we're keeping score. And this is toxic. Like by God's grace, it would be amazing if if we were exposed in our heart and our mind right now, the degree to which we keep score in our relationships. It's so toxic because you never know where you stand. And if you're always in a relationship where you're measuring either yourself or them, there's no trust. There's no real intimacy. And there's not the safety for us to grow that we're made to have. It's toxic. When there's earning in a relationship, it destroys the relationship. That's not a deep friendship. And let me just say this as an aside. There's a big difference between not keeping score and being taken advantage of. I'm not talking about being taken advantage of. If you're in a relationship where you are putting out and giving like love and care and you're serving and investing the other, but they're constantly taking and it doesn't go both ways, that's just being taken advantage of. That's not a deep friendship. But in a deep friendship where there's like reciprocity and mutual love and grace extended both ways, there's a powerful moment where you stop keeping score and you love and give no strings attached. And then you can receive love, no strings attached, because there might be moments where you have very little to give in seasons of depression or brokenness, where you've got very little to give, but you've got great need and there's friends around you that can give. And sometimes we resist that. One of the most powerful examples of not keeping score is I knew another pastor in the city named Grant, and he found himself in this really cool season where he was able to step away from professional work for a season and almost do like a season of like bucket list stuff. He saved up money and he had all these ideas. Like he wanted to find his birth mom, which he eventually did, which is amazing, and renovate his condo and do different things. But early on in that season, one of his dear friends, Um, and I don't know the exact details of it, but essentially had um, a growth or an infection in his brain that was both terminal and was was, um, affecting his motor skills and his ability to do the basic things. And so Grant took on the responsibility of becoming a caregiver for his friend. I think he spent a few days a week to give his friend's wife a break, and he served him and loved him and did uncomfortable things for him. And here's what's beautiful and profound about this story, is at no point did Grant ever think his friend would be able to make it up, pay him back. He was terminal. He would eventually lose his friend. And here's what I believe about you. 
that if the situation was that real and heavy, and the stakes were that high, that you would be that kind of friend that gives with no strings attached, is there even through, like sacrificing your dream year to be there to comfort somebody who's hurting and dying. But often life stakes don't feel that high. And so we can let very petty things like keeping score break into our relationships. And it's corrosive and it's destructive. And we need a vision for a better kind of relationship. Can I make a side note? We're two in. And uh, what should we be thinking as we hear these things? As we think about like great friends don't keep score and great friends show up. I mean, on one hand, you might be thinking like, oh man, I should just maybe you're like judging all of your other friends. Like they haven't been that to me. Like the first question we need to be asking is, am I that friend? Am I the friend that doesn't keep score? Am I the friend that shows up? And as we go through four more things, we keep asking the question, am I that kind of friend? That's the first question. And then we do ask the question, do I have friends like that? And if your answer is, no, I don't have friends like that, the answer isn't to cut off everyone else. It might just be acknowledge where you're at. And the response could be two things. One is to cultivate those kind of friendships. Friendships are more cultivated than they are stumbled upon. So maybe it's looking at the friendships you have and investing and cultivating those friendships to be like that. Or maybe it literally is trying to change who those deepest friends are in your life. Often friendship comes out of convenience, who's available and who's there. And I found that the deepest friends, the most important friendships, are rarely convenient. But they're people you, and they might not even be in the same demographic as you, or age bracket, or income level as you. All those things are how we typically build friendships. But in the kingdom of God, there's an invitation to build friendships across those kind of barriers for the purpose of deep kingdom friendships. So we go after those friendships. We find those people. We cultivate those kind of relationships. Okay. We need to keep moving. I want to respect the time. Number three, deep friends are in it for the long haul. This one, we can move quick. Deep friends are in it for the long haul. We need long haul friends. There are seasonal friends. Maybe someone you work with, you go to school with, and seasonal friends are fine, but they're not deep friends. Deep friends are long haul friendships. They're there who have been through the seasons of life with you, the good and the bad. There's something powerful that happens when you realize a level of commitment in a friendship. Like here's what I've had to realize looking at the last 15 years of my life. There have been friends that have walked through the last 15 years with me through seasons where I wasn't very fun to be around. Deep seasons of sorrow, of pain. And here's what life does. It brings the most horrible things into your life and it can change you. And so like, there's a point which like, oh, I like being around that person or they're fun, but what happens when they're not fun anymore? What happens when their marriage is breaking up? What happens if they go through a season of depression? Deep friends are those that say, I'm with you in the long haul. I'm not going anywhere. And there's something so powerful about long haul friendship. And here's the thing you'll discover. Frequency of like connecting isn't the big point. In long haul friendships, there's just something about those that have longevity. You might not see them at work every day. They might change. You used to be neighbors. You used to go to school together. Now you're married. You've got kids. You don't like hang out every Friday night like you used to. But those friendships that are there for the long haul, they make an incredible difference. And that's what deep friendships are about. And God bless you. Like how blessed are you if you've got these friends? Or if you've been this friend? But for a lot of people, I think the answer is, I don't have those long haul friendships. But it's never too late to cultivate them. It's never too late to start. And it does include a measure of commitment. 
includes going to a point in a friendship where you go, I'm committed to this person. You know, in marriage, we use the language of covenant. And covenant is like more relational than a contract, but like more official and enduring than most of the relationships we have. And I think there's an invitation for us to have covenantal friendships. A friend that you say, I'm with you no matter what. And we can articulate that. I'm committed to this friendship. I'm going to be with you. Many friends will come and go, and that's okay. But those deep friends are those that have been with you for the long haul. Number four, deep friends. How are you doing? You doing all right? We're just moving here. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you. I want to paint a picture of the kind of friendships that we need and the kind of friendships that God invites us into. Number four, deep friends call out the best in one another. Deep friends call out the best in one another. Deep friends use their words to speak destiny and life and to call out potential. And those who are closest to us, those long-haul friends, those show-up-in-tough-time friends, those close-to-their-brother friends, they're the most qualified to speak life into us for two reasons. First is obvious, because their voice means more to you. A lot of people can flatter you. You can get a lot, of, a lot of feedback from a lot of people, but those that are closest, their voice carries more weight. This is why things your parents said to you when you're a kid still affect you so much when you're an adult, or your sibling or your brother or someone you looked up to, because those who are closest to you, their words carry weight. And we need to acknowledge this in our friendship. Our words carry weight in our friends' lives, so we can use our words to call out potential in them, to call out destiny in them. But second, like closest friends have the best view into our lives. Like when you're a deep friend, you've got the ability to look into someone's life and see something in them that they might not even see in themselves. And we need this so much. We see this in scripture where Jesus spoke to Peter. Peter, after an epic failure, Jesus says, I see you as a rock and I'm calling you to be a shepherd to my church. He called out something in Peter that Peter didn't even see in himself. We see Paul, like a mentor to Timothy, saying to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you or young, but set an example, calling out destiny and potential out of him. And so when was the last time that you use your words, not to flatter, this isn't about flattery, not to say things that aren't true, but to say something you see in them and call it out. I wrote down a list of the kinds of things that we could say to our deep friends. I see you as a leader. You're a great mom. You're a great dad. You're so creative. You're so thoughtful and kind. You have such a gift with words. You're so good at solving problems. You made an impact for good on others. I see your humility. I see your sacrifice. You've got a friend who's sacrificing for their family, for their work, for their church, whatever it might be, for those that they're trying to serve and reach. And you can say, I see your sacrifice. And I just honor you for that. I see your passion for Jesus. I see how you're growing. I see the work you're putting in. The world would not be the same without you. You are so valuable to me. God's got a call on your life. You're going to make it. I mean, words are so powerful, especially from those deep friends. And deep friends call out the best in one another. And on the flip side of this, number five, deep friends say hard things. Deep friends say hard things. Proverbs 27, five and six says this. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend 
can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Listen to these words. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. We all have blind spots in our lives, stuff that we don't see. And I think, I imagine everyone watching believes that part of life, not like followers of Jesus, but even if you're watching our followers of Jesus, that part of life is growing in maturity, becoming more self-aware and understanding our impact on others. And what's interesting is like, we can't grow just on our own. We need somebody outside of us that sees into our life to help us see the stuff that is maybe hurting ourselves or others. But we live in a culture that's so defensive and we're so insecure and we're so slow to respond that even if a friend was to come into our life and maybe just like speak something, I, I think about my friend Landry who I mentioned earlier, like he'll call me and he'll say, Jason, I've just noticed you've been traveling a lot. And I just wanna know how that's going with Rachel and the kids. And there's something inside of me that's like, what? Are you suggesting I'm a bad dad or not a good enough parent? Like, are you not a good enough husband? And like, you know, this is for my work. And all this defensiveness comes out. Just the other day, my buddy Ben, we were going for a swim and on our way back to our house, he lives nearby. He said, hey dude, can I just chat with you for a second about something? And I was like, oh no, here it goes. <laughs> and uh, he just was in the office and saw the way I was communicating to somebody else. And he's like, hey, I just noticed this little pattern. And it was hard to hear, but he was right. And I'm so thankful he had the courage to say something because deep friends say hard things. No one wants to say hard stuff, but deep friends say hard things. Some of the most challenging things you'll ever have to do is to speak to someone you love about a destructive pattern in their life. But we need that. We need friends that love us enough to tell us the truth, even the hard things. And there's lots that I love to say about this, but I want to first ask you this question. When was the last time somebody shared something that was hard to hear that you received and applied in your life? Like when was the last time somebody said like, hey, I've just noticed this pattern or I'm worried about you because of this and you were able to hear it? And they might not have got it perfect. They might not have said it in the perfect way, but you're able to just acknowledge that they love me. They want what's best for me. And chances are, it's not happening very often. We're not getting that kind of loving feedback. And so I think we have to beg for it. I have this like little rule in my life. Whenever I hear about another pastor or leader who stumbles on financial um, impropriety or sexual morality or whatever, and whenever I hear about a, a pastor blowing up morally, I call one of my deep friends and I say, hey, I just want you to know that you can ask me anything. If you see anything in my life, I want to invite you to speak into my life. And it's my responsibility. I, my life, it's my responsibility, my actions, and no one else's. But I'm just begging friends, if you see something, speak it into my life. And I'm so grateful for those that do. And if you want to be that friend that speaks the hard word into someone else's life, man, like this is not a license to just going around and being like, saying everything you see wrong. That's not what this is about. This is about loving someone enough that you want what's best for them. This is about praying for them, like taking time in prayer before you just go to them, but praying about it and saying, okay, Lord, is this right? And then asking for permission, like, could I share? And that when they see you, they don't sense an ounce of you trying to get up and over them, but they see in your eyes your love and compassion for them. That we build to come with a tender heart and the right words. We need this. 
We need friends that can speak into our life about the bad habits and the way we communicate and talk and the rhythms of our lives. We need it. Deep friends, they say hard things. Last point. Deep friends point us to Jesus. This might be the most important point. Deep friends point us to Jesus. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have non-Christian friends. I really think we should. We should have lots of non-Christian friends. And think about the concentric circles of our friendships. We have friends. We have good friends. We've got even close friends. But those deepest friends, those friends that are going to most shape the most significant decisions of your life, are most going to speak into your private dreams, and those deep friends, they need to be people who point you to Jesus. Because following Jesus is not a solar sport. We need friends that if you get near them, they're going to point you to Jesus. I think about, I planted this church with two other close friends, Chris and Jeremy. And I remember often, I thought to myself, like if my walk with God felt flat, I would go, I just need to get in the room with Jared for lunch. And I knew if I could just get in the room with Jared and say, hey bro, what's God doing in your life these days? Or how are things with you and God? If I could just ask something like that. He would begin to share, and, and the fire of my passion in my heart for Jesus would be ignited by his passion for Jesus. He's just one of those friends that was always pointing me to Jesus. Just the other night, I got to walk with one of my old roommates. We haven't lived together for 13 years since he got married and I got married. Um, but he's one of my deep friends. His name is Christian Hall. And we walked for like two and a half hours the other night through Vancouver, and we prayed and we talked and we laughed so hard. And to be honest, me and Chris probably see each other four times a year like this. Life's busy. We live almost an hour apart. He's got four kids. They've recently adopted and they're running a nonprofit. He's got a full-time job. And, but we were intentional to be around each other. And we talked about so many things, about finances, about marriage, about church, about our walks with Jesus, about everything. And I found myself the whole way through inspired to go deeper with God, to be more generous in my finances more pure in my intake of content and all of this in the midst of laughter just and, and knowing that he's the kind of guy in the midst of the world that's telling me to prioritize things that are not kingdom. I get around him. He's going to point me to kingdom things. And what a shame it is that we can be in a friendship with someone else who's a follower of Jesus and we can miss out on sharing our walk with God together. And it just happens so easily. I see it all the time. Because sometimes it can feel awkward to say something like, hey, can I pray for you? Or to talk about matters of faith. But we've got to get over that awkward barrier. Like, I want to give you two questions that I really believe will change your life. That need to be in the center of every deep friendship. And every Christian friendship. Two very simple questions. First is, what's God doing in your life these days? It's just a general question that can open up a conversation about God. And that question can take all sorts of forms, like how are you and God doing or what's he teaching you? But just in your conversations with another brother or sister in Christ, just to say, hey, how are things with you and God? Or what's God doing in your life these days? And see the conversations, how life-giving conversations about following Jesus can be. Instead of just gossiping about the world around you, inventing about things, to talk about the things of God together. It's so life-giving. And the second question is this, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? whether it's on the phone or in person, can I pray for you? Because with close friends, you tell, you tell each other the stuff you're going through, the stuff that's hurting. You vent about the experience of the world around you. And just to have a friend that goes, hey, can I pray for you? 
to be that friend that says, hey, can I pray for you? I'm telling you this one question, like if this is all you hear is that in the middle or towards the end of a conversation, you just go, hey, can I quickly pray for you? Whether on the phone before you hang up or you're hanging out, like just picture those late nights, all the things you've talked about just before they walk out the door. Hey, can we pray together real quick? And I'm telling you, when you begin to experience the presence of God intervene in normal places, not just church buildings where there's music playing and a pastor praying in your friendships, it brings an accountability power the presence of God into your life in a whole new way. We need these kind of friendships. For our faith to like find its way into every part of our life and us to grow in God and to flourish as a people, we need these kind of friendships. We don't need just friends, we need deep friends. So I wanna pray for you as I close. I wanna pray in a few ways. I wanna pray first that we would become these kind of friends. So I wanna ask you, if you like me, um, feel like maybe you fall short in some of these areas. And of course we do, we're not perfect friends. No one's a perfect friend. But maybe there's some like, I don't know, like repentance or just acknowledging in our heart that we haven't been this kind of friend. Why don't we just take a moment to pray for that? So I'll pray for you, I'm praying for myself in this one. So Jesus, we just acknowledge that we haven't always been a faithful friend, a giving with no strings attached friend. We haven't always been faithful to speak the truth in love or to build people up with our words or point people to you. We just ask that you'd help us. Help us be deep friends. Help us just to be the kind of friend that people need around us. And I pray that you would give us grace for that. In Jesus' name. I wanna pray also for those that this talk feels like salt on a wound because you're just like, I already feel lonely. And now I just realize I don't have those kind of good friends. And, and you, I know, you know that they're cultivated, they're not just found and no one's perfect, but there's a sense of like loss right now and pain. I wanna just pray for you. I wanna pray that God would miraculously bring friends into your life. I walked with a, a buddy named Jaden. Uh, he's quite a bit younger than me and we, connect around some of these things. And about four years ago, he just said, I just really long for deeper friends. And just two weeks ago, he said, Ballard, like, remember how we prayed four years ago that I'd find those kind of friends and build those kind of friendships? He goes, it's happened, man. Like, I just, I can't believe the depth of friendship. And he's put himself out there. He's invested in friendship, but God's been gracious to bring new relationships that he didn't expect into his life. So I just wanna pray for you if that's you, Jesus. I just pray for the individual right now who feels like a sense of loneliness or a loss, who's longing for deeper and better friends. And I just pray that you would do a miracle in their lives. That you'd help them see the people you have brought, maybe the unlikely people that you're inviting them into deeper relationship with, and that you would actually bring people into their life and you do a miracle. And I pray for the person who feels lonely and isolated right now. I pray you'd comfort them and you draw them into community. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, last thing I wanna pray for. All of this reminds me of the stunning reality that Jesus calls you and I friend. The king of the universe, who we should follow and submit to, doesn't call us slave or underling, <laughs> although that could be appropriate for the God of the universe. He calls us friend. And Jesus is our Lord, He's our savior and we should follow him with our life, but he calls us friend. And Jesus is the supreme example 
of the friend that gives with no strings attached. I mean, lays down his life while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He's the supreme example of the friend that shows up by his Holy Spirit present in our life. He's the supreme example of the one that speaks truth and love, who calls out destiny in us. He's the supreme example of that. And for us to be a deep friend with someone else, we need to build our life on a friendship with Jesus. And so this morning, I wanna invite you, if you're not a friend of Jesus, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, to submit your life to the Lord of the universe, who deserves all of our adoration, who says, I call you friend. The living God inviting you and I to walk alongside him in this life and forever. Let's pray together. Jesus, this morning we put our trust in you. And God, we thank you for this scandalous invitation that while we were sinners, you laid down your life for us. God, I can't help but feel like I'm undeserving of a friend like you. And so I receive the gift of your friendship with grace. Make me clean of my sin. Draw me close to you. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. And I pray for everyone listening, God, that we would learn to walk with you as friend. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.